Howdy. Good evening, good morning, good whatever it is, wherever you are. And welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the sci-fi rewatch podcast dedicated to single-season space westerns that were canceled mercilessly before their time. I, of course, am your host, Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Jesse. Welcome back to the show. And joining me, of course, this week is my very longtime friend and co-host, Josh. Welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, Josh. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Uh, I just got kicked out of the room as the intro video was starting. I don't know what happened there, but if I suddenly leave at some point... That's probably why. I don't know. Other than that, I'm doing great. Um, I always love Fridays. Fridays are my favorite day of the week, um, especially in very stressful times. <laughs> <laughs> there are a million reasons for Friday to be your favorite day of the week, even if it's not podcast day for you. Really quickly, I'm going to say hello to Rona in the live chat. Good morning, Rona. Thank you for being here with us. I'm also going to say good morning, and I think good morning to our friend Angelus in the live chat. Angelus, what time is it there in Australia? Please let me know. Josh, I have to agree with you. Like I said, Friday, best day of the week. Do you know why? Because we get to talk to this next person every Friday. And that person, of course, is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D, welcome to Friday. How is your week? Uh, Really good. I think we're off to a good start in the podcast. If uh, we're automatically kicking Josh out, this is a (laughs) great way to start. So I'm excited about today's episode. Dang. I have a feeling that I just figured out how Josh got kicked out during the intro video. But let's all just hold hands and hope that our next friends don't get kicked out because they are making their very first appearance ever here at Sudden But Inevitable. Okay, we are very, very excited to welcome, for the first time ever, Chris and Leslie of Measuring the Score. Chris and Leslie, welcome to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you guys doing this week? Oh, we are tired. (laughs) We are both tired. Worked hard all week long. We are excited to be here. Right. (laughs) The highlight of our week. Uh, Thank you. I'm sensing a running theme that uh, people don't want to talk about what happened during their week. They want to talk about what happened in this week's episode of Cowboy Bebop, which is, of course, what we are all here to discuss. And that is episode nine blue crow waltz really quickly gonna take a moment to say hello to our friend jake stone in the live chat hello everyone happy friday thank you for being here jake i am just brimming with excitement to get into this episode you guys and i am so happy to say hello to all the people here in the live chat before we jump into this full force chris and leslie for the folks at home that have never listened to measuring the score before please what is measuring the score and where can the folks find more of it Measuring the score is uh, basically, I, I'm a composer. I've been doing it for almost 20 years. Leslie is a musician. And it we discuss film scores and the film to see how they work together, see if, you know, they basically, they measure up. And we, we offer, you know, our, basically our opinions on the film scores as much as possible. And they can find us pretty much anywhere that there are podcasts available, Spotify, Apple, anywhere. You can talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter or Facebook mainly. Yeah, I think that's about it. Leslie, anything? Yeah, so when we listen to the scores, we critique it. We have a a little measuring scale that we go by. Um, We answer three questions at the end of uh, our, you know, critiquing and, uh, you know, rate the score that way. Uh, Sometimes Chris and I agree. Sometimes we don't. We're married, so, you know. (laughs) It works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. 
Yes. Uh, sometimes Josh and I agree. Sometimes we don't. We're not married. Uh, sometimes Ricky D and I agree. Sometimes, usually, we don't. We actually almost <laughs> never agree. So, um, Actually, that's not true. You know what Ricky D and I do agree on is the general level of quality that surrounds the name Cowboy Bebop. I quality. Think that that's something that we can agree on, yes. We agree on quality. And, <laughs> and we agree that we are very happy to welcome our friend Callie D to the live chat. Good morning, Callie D. Thank you for being here with us this week. As every week, our friend Angelus has already submitted his picks for this week's segment you guys i'm so excited to jump into this okay before i just keep talking in whatever direction seems normal to me let's jump into this episode you guys this episode as i said before is season one episode nine yes i said season one because we plan to hashtag save cowboy bebop and get hashtag more bebop but this episode is called blue crow waltz and i have to ask chris and leslie before we jump into this episode in particular have the two of you ever seen the original Cowboy Bebop anime? And if you have, tell us about that. If you haven't, then that's cool. But but tell us all about your experience. Leslie, let's have you go first and then Chris. So I have never seen it. I lived in Germany for the longest time. And overseas, I didn't watch much TV. So um, even coming back to the United States, when Chris and I started dating, he was like, yeah, you need to watch this. I'm like, I've never seen it. He's like, what? You never seen that? No. So we would have movie marathons, show marathons, that sort of thing, trying to, I guess, get me caught up on the lost years <laughs> that I was not in the U.S. And Cowboy Bebop kind of fell <laughs> into that crevice. So no, I've never seen it. Slipped through the cracks. What about you, Chris? I I watched it uh, back when Cartoon Network was. I think it was around the time they had like Cow and Chicken and stuff like that. And then they started the you know the very first iteration of Adult Swim. And I watched uh, a lot of episodes, but I, I didn't finish the season. And it was one of those shows. I hate to say that I kind of brain dumped because I don't I don't remember anything about it. And I I didn't think nothing else about Cable Bebop until I come across your. Uh, podcast and you were talking about you know bringing us on for the anime and i was like oh i need to watch the show still still haven't been able to watch it it's just you know with everything going on and then when you're like hey we need to get you on for the live action i'm like you know what i haven't watched the live action either <laughs> so i'm and, and I'm, not, I'm not i'm not saying it's a bad show because what from what i do remember of the show it was great because i love anime i mean you know but especially the the opening intro and the song by you know seatbelts i mean come on man that, that yeah and also there was a um a fan film that was uh, being put out by iron horse cinema I gotta give these guys credit they were trying to do like a live action cowboy bebop trailer and they got me to do they were trying to get me to do the remix of the the song and i said there's no way i could touch that so <laughs> i created like a little bit of the intro music for the trailer which sounded like something from blade runner and that's what they wanted. Then they used the original intro song for the for the trailer. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's my pretty cool. That's my experience with Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> oh man, that's really cool. So the thing that I I really like about that is that you guys are probably the freshest set of eyes, yes. so to speak, that we have had on the series with us and here as guests. I mean, I think almost everybody that we have had before has either seen the entire original series or they've watched up to you know this point or further in the in the new series so 
I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. And I'm glad that you mentioned Tank because I'm definitely going to be asking you questions oh, yeah. about music. We will get into that, of course, as I'm sure will just happen naturally over the course of our conversation. That's one of my favorite things about having you guys on here, though, too, is the fact that we can talk a little bit more about the music. Um, because, like, I, I can talk about music, but these guys, when I start talking about music, kind of give me that deadpan look. Like, they're like, uh... um, <laughs> To be fair, usually when you start talking about music, you're talking about, like, some emo punk music that nobody has ever heard and I don't recognize. So. Not on this show. Oh, oh, I th I'm sorry. I was very confused. I'm sorry. I thought wow. you just meant like in general. I'm sorry, Josh. Dang. That's totally on me. Uh, no, he's 100% right, Josh. Dang. Totally 100% right. Dang. That's totally on me. My apologies. Uh, so so to that point, though, Josh, what do you think about, about the waltz? What do you think about the music? Let's just start. What do you think about this opening scene where we learn maybe the least surprising thing ever, which is that Vicious has blade fetish and... <laughs> is a little weird about it. Um, I really like this. Spike has this look on his face like, like everything was handled. It's fine. What are you, come on, man. And Vicious well, there's a, like, there's a <laughs> There's a lot of weird things about this opening scene. I mean, first of all, there's the knife talk. Like the, the close-up on Vicious' mouth is already disturbing enough as it is. And then like, all the knife talk and all the like sensual knife talk. And then from the sensual knife talk over to the pube hair talk. Yeah. And talking about braiding hairs. <laughs> like, I mean, I relate it a little bit, but like, it's still kind of weird to That's talk all about. one conversation. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, the sensual knife <laughs> talk is part of that conversation. That makes perfect sense. But I, <laughs> is that what you normally get into after you talk about knives? <laughs> Go to the hunting store and just strike up a talk about pubic hair. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I really like this knife. What do you think about using colored rubber bands when I braid my pubic hair? Like, I think depending on the state that you're in and the hunting store, you might uh, not make it out of that hunting store. Let's just put it that way. You would certainly um, get some looks. I mean... <laughs> And some, looks. Some, <laughs> let me let's just call them follow up questions. Yeah, there would, would be asked. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, <Sorry>. I. <laughs> but okay, I mean, let's be let's be real about this. Okay, this really does. This is the kind of relationship that we have all had, right? Everybody has a friend that they talk about stuff uh, with that they probably don't talk about. <laughs> Uh, with all their friends, right? Or everybody in their life, right? There are people who you talk about things with that you don't talk about with other people. So I like that we get an insight into, I mean, is it is it fair to call them Jules and Vincent? Like, I mean, <laughs> well, uh, it's not, right? Because, I, I was, because no, it's absolutely fair. No, are you because kidding me? Spike and Vicious came before Jules and Vincent originally. So it's... If I'm not mistaken, is that is that a mistake? What year did Pulp Fiction come out? Was that 97? Oh, way, and way Bebop before. Bebop was 98? Cowboy Bebop was Dang. way before. Anyways. I think it wasn't Pulp Fiction like 95 or something? Oh, you know what I'm thinking? Is the intro to the movie where we got confused as to which one came out first? The Sorry, the Cowboy Bebop movie because it heavily mirrors oh. Pulp Fiction. That's entirely on me. But yes. Okay. So okay. as a as a exercise, we could just call them Jules and Vincent, right? But- 
We won't because there is a character in Cowboy Bebop named Vincent. This is getting confusing. Anyways. And Jules, kind of. Yes. I called Julia Jules. I like, I like that they... Dang it, this is going to be really confusing. Um, I like that we yeah, have I've already insight. forgotten everybody's names now. Thank you. I'm surprised you knew them. Um, Angela's Pulp Fiction 1994. Thank you. Thank you. I said 95. I was close. I wouldn't yeah. have won on the prices right, but whatever. Oh, that's true, because you did go over. I did go um, over. I don't... I don't mean this in a mean way, but Skinny Drew Carey weirds me out. Um, <laughs> is that no? Just me? No, no, yeah, definitely. Okay. Kind of looks bizarre okay. to me. But I'm super happy for him because I would imagine he's much healthier now. Right? It's like Skinny Kevin Smith is the same way. Right, he's bit. much healthier now. Or, and you or want Skinny Kevin Seth Rogen forever. Skinny Al Roker. Oh, oh. he lost all that weight. Oh, like, really? Ricky's about to leave the chat. <laughs> just, to, just so that we're like, yeah. Let me just wrangle this digression um we're very happy for all of those people oh yeah um what i was trying to say i think (laughs) was i like these uh you know moments of relatability even with psychotic level criminals right where we have them going you know hey man giving each other a hard time at work and they do they do things differently like i said i feel like that look that or that that hand motion that vicious does when spike puts his hands up like why did you just stab that guy 15 times <laughs> he's like hey, we're killing dude, him what a way what to shank someone <laughs> like, damn, damn, damn. like whoa dude <laughs> well but it's like he he looks at spike like are you really gonna nit- nitpick about this he's dead what do you want yeah, like we got the job done i mean come on <laughs> but there is a practicality to what spike is saying right like right. i mean ricky you have seen how many hits on film Ballpark it. How many hits? Yeah. Like guys getting killed by criminals. I'm going to go with got to be in the thousands. Right. So the reason you don't stab people is because it's easier to clean up. Right. Now, is that, is garrote the correct pronunciation? I thought it was garrote, but Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Anyways, what did you guys think about this, this uh, code that Spike mentions here at the beginning of this episode? Let's start with you, Chris and Leslie. You you guys are learning for the first time that Spike is a syndicate assassin, right? Um, Spoiler alert, that's not mostly what this show is about. This whole episode is a flashback. Just so that you guys are fully aware. Yeah, I was Uh, was kind of gathering. We we were talking about that when we started. But, you know, what I found that I liked about that first scene that you're talking about is the stark contrast between uh, Vicious's, you know, white hair and they're dressed in black. And then, you know, Spike in his, you know, his attire. And to me, it was just visually beautiful to see that first scene. Mm -hmm. Granted, it was kind of a weird scene, but visually it was stunning to see the contrast there between, you know, his long white hair contrasted to what he was wearing as opposed to, you know, his partner was wearing kind of all black with the red tie. I, I kind of like that. Well, it was also, it, it was, it was kind of a yin yang type situation right, going right, on right. And, and showing you the stark contrast between the two. I mean, they're, they're spike is trying to show his demeanor. Like, Hey man, you know, like we, we got this. It's all good. And vicious is just, you know, pretty much what his name <laughs> is vicious. <laughs> I mean, he's he's psychopath, and, and you see that from right there from the very beginning that he's unhinged, and it, it's it's showing you like, hey, you know, there's something wrong with him. They're, they're, he's got a screw loose. You know, he is one <laughs> chicken nugget short of a happy meal, and uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's 
that's what you're kind of seeing right then and there, just right there at the very beginning, just showing you go, you know where this episode's going. This guy's going to go off the rails, and it's not going to be pretty when it happens. And Spike's going to be the one trying to keep peace of the entire thing because he's laughing, joking around, and everything else. And of course, you know, it's it's not a pretty sight. Almost, <laughs> I actually chalked it up to this is Spike's greatest superpower. <laughs> And this fits so well with the entire original series and every episode we've had up to this point. Spike's greatest superpower is to act cool when he's under pressure. Like right. and and at all times, right? And he he knows when to just chill for a second yeah. and breathe. And Sometimes that leads to the kind of decisions he makes at the end of the episode, and we'll get to that. But usually it leads to him being the more level-headed of this, you know, classic hitman duo. I mean, come on. They're a classic hitman duo, right? It really is. Like you said, Jules, you know, uh, from Pulp Fiction, and that's pretty much what it is. It it is exactly right in there. Vicious, I would say, would be Samuel Jackson. (laughs) A (laughs) hundred percent. Except, except... Uh, Samuel L. Jackson does have sort of a change of heart partway through that movie, yeah. and I don't suspect that that's going to happen no, with Vicious. No. But I I did notice here that Vicious seems to have a lot of only child uh, symptoms. Are any of you only, only children? No, I'm I'm not either. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a no. I, yeah, <laughs> that's <really> so. <laughs> if we have any only children in the chat or listening in podcast land, I'm not trying to offend you. I just mean like. You are more evil people, though. You're, you're very <laughs> selfish, <laughs> evil people. Ricky's not trying to offend you either. It just comes naturally to him. Uh, I, what I mean by that is that he really wants a brother, and he's like, can I just have a sibling? He doesn't understand what entitlement is, and that he is full of entitlement. Like, that sort of a thing. That's why he has this blind spot for, like, uh, protocol, right? Because he's like, I actually get away with everything, so why would I attempt not to get away with whatever I feel like? And there is some sort of twisted childish logic to that, but again, it fits his name. And we do get a a good number of ways that he fits his name. Uh, Josh, where are you up to this point in the episode, which is when Gren speaks four languages while introducing Julia? Well, the four language thing doesn't really bother me as much because it's... I mean, it seems pretty uh, normal in this universe. I mean, well, it's not supposed to bother you. It's just cool. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's and by bother, I mean I didn't really notice it because I'm so used oh. to everyone speaking so many different languages. It was like, oh, okay, 100%. Yeah, pretty, pretty normal. But I mean, I, I'm I'm already hooked into this episode because it's giving us insight on what happened. You're seeing like a lot of uh, you know, it's it's like in the anime when I was so excited to see the the little bit of a backstory on things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked this backstory. I really liked, I mean, just the the way that they built it all up. And it just makes me more sad that that we're not going to get a season two yet. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. I was thinking of you uh, during this episode going like, this is the episode that Josh would write at the end of watching the anime. He would go, okay, I need to know about Spike and Vicious's days when they were hanging out and killing people for fun together and, like, you know. Right. This episode does kind of feel like a spinoff series, now that you mention it like that. It <laughs> kind of. definitely feel that energy. Kind of. I would love to see that spinoff series, though. I'd, I'd be all about it. There's a, I, I was 
at the bookstore recently. Weird. But um, I, I was in the sci-fi section, normal, and I was looking at, you know, all the Star Wars books, absolutely normal. And uh, I got to, I saw a, a Cowboy Bebop, um, okay, with the, with the cheap seat ads, what's going on? <laughs> Payola, baby. What are you talking about? Ads. Is, is Sean paying you? We're supporting our friend Sean, the host of Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good, Josh, because he is in a podcasting competition and we support our independent podcasting friends here at Sudden But Inevitable because without them, we would not be where we are. Exactly. Is it that competition he's in? Is it something like, do I have to, should I do something? No, they here? haven't. They haven't started yet. We're just, we're literally just trying to be nice about it. Hyping them up. Okay. Sean sent me a mug. So I feel like it's only fair that I put the mug on the camera and use what little selling power I have to insist that people go to that. Ricky D is matching that so well. You have to come to the live chat, youtube.com slash twist my arm podcast every Friday night at 8.30 PM mountain time. Ladies and gentlemen, seriously, I, I, (laughs) I'm having too much fun. You guys, what were we talking about? I have no idea. Um, I was talking about me being in a bookstore and seeing a Cowboy Bebop oh, yeah. um, prequel book. Yes. That looked really, really cool. I I almost, I really should have picked it up. I'm probably going to go back there this week and grab it um, because it's it's about Spike and Vicious in the Syndicate days. Yeah, you could have had that as your sponsor instead of a cheap seat. Well, <laughs> I I read an inspirational book instead, <laughs> you know, midlife crisis shit. Gotta gotta read some inspirational stuff. <laughs> Do you guys want to take another digression? I'm totally kidding. Um, I Josh, I want to point this out. The tweet that I put out there that said we have always maintained that Ricky D cannot read and that Josh chooses not to was a joke. I didn't mean for you to take that seriously oh. and be like, okay, now I'm going to a bookstore. This I didn't even see that tweet. I saw the tweet. I just didn't know what it said. Screw you, buddy. I didn't tweet. <laughs> I didn't tweet that at all. Um, so here I am probably reading more than all of you guys right now. <laughs> Chris and Leslie, as our resident uh, guest musicians, if I may ask you, what is the technical musical term for maximum sex in one's voice? Because that is what Julia has when she sings this song. Uh, am I right? Is that is maximum sex the I technical term? I think it would be Jennifer Tilly voice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow. wow. Ricky You're went welcome. there. <laughs> I think uh, there's no other answer that we can give other than Jennifer Tilly voice now. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> I don't think her voice is pretty anymore. Great. Now all I can see is the bride of Chucky. <laughs> Ugh. So slutty sax. Do you guys remember no, earlier oh, sorry, when sorry. 80 sax is slutty sax? Come on. Get that sorry. Right. Sorry. <laughs> What kind of composer? 80, 80 sax? Like, yeah, anytime yeah. you hear like talking saxophone? power ballad and you hear the saxophone, I always call it the slutty sax. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I, yeah. got a, I got a perfect weight. The Lost Boys, the guy with the sax and the chains. That's yeah. slutty sax right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's just give a really quick saxophone shout out to our friend Carla at the Bed, Wed, or Behead podcast. Carla is the biggest saxophone fan that I know. And Carla, I'm going to put some real smooth sax behind this on the podcast version for you to listen to. You have to put you. Careless Whisper up there by George <laughs> Michael. Well, I'm going to put <laughs> something that... <laughs> Literally. I'm going to put something that people don't own the rights to. Literally um, said that to just that first... <laughs> just use that. Just use that. Yeah. Um, so, Ricky D., 
Um, you a big fan of Jennifer Tilly? Uh, no, but there's a podcast I listen to where one girl will do her voice, so it kind of it's available for me to lash out and grab. I haven't seen a Jennifer Tilly movie in well over a decade. <laughs> Probably since a Chucky movie, right? Question for the rest of you uh, here on the screen with me. When Ricky said, so her voice is available for me to, were you terrified <laughs> at what was going to come out of his mouth? <laughs> yeah. I was kind of cringing. Because I was like, oh, God. Like, uh, where's this going? Okay. I was like, yep, we're about to, we're going to cancel. Oh, cool. All right. Yep. Nope. We're good. All right. Okay. Um, poor Carla, says our friend Callie. She knows it. I. I only give good facetious shout outs. So, yeah. Anyways, Chris and Leslie, what did you think about this song? I think it's called On Mars. It may not be called that, but Julia is on Mars. She puts us on Mars. This is what makes Spike fall in love with her, what makes Vicious um, immediately possessive of her. Um, Chris and Leslie, what did you think of Julia's performance? So, when I learned that we were coming on uh, this podcast, uh, I sat there and I found that full score on Spotify and I listened to the score on Spotify first, which, you know, this is what we do for our podcast. And um, I immediately picked up on the fact that her song was actually on the score on Spotify and uh, it stood it's just out. Yeah. It's beautiful. It stood out. I really liked the style. Um, I liked how she was, you know, dressed because throughout listening to the score, um, you know, we heard elements of, like country music we heard elements of jazz there were some elements that kind of reminded us of old spy music but when she stepped out on the stage she kind of looked like she was part of the west and it, it kind of reflected the scores in the past a uh, few tracks that we listened to you know her belt buckle the way her, her corset top looked and i kind of like that tie into some of the original you know music that we listened to beforehand before, you know, she belted out her piece, which sounded more, you know, modernistic, not, uh, I wouldn't say like, you know, this era 2022, but more, you know, more modern than some of the older, uh, country Western stuff that we heard, you know, prior in the, in the score. I liked it. Yeah. And normally when I listen to like, cause I, I listen to the full thing too. And, you know, like you're talking about, you got like jazz elements. It sounds like something from Ocean's Eleven, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, not a lot of 80s comes in there. And then normally we we'll listen to a score and there are a lot of scores that will have a vocal track in there. Nine out of ten times, I'm changing it. Only because I want to hear the score. I want to hear the orchestra. You don't like musicals either, guys. <laughs> he, he refuses not, to watch I'm, musicals. I'm not me. a big musical. You guys don't do very many Transformers soundtracks, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for him. A little bit, keep a little bit, just keep a little bit of classical yeah. mixed in with some Lincoln. Park. Just ignore him. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go well, right no, ahead. When it, when it got to Julia's song, though, I, I, I actually stopped it and I was like, okay. And it, it did, enca- you know, encapsulate me. So when she came up and she started singing, I'm like, oh, this is the song. And yeah. sure enough, it was just as, you know, magical as it was listening to it as, you know, was seeing it. And it was wonderful. And she had a wonderful voice. I, I think that, um, uh, she did a lovely job, uh, if that was her real singing voice. She did so. a lovely job, you know, up there uh, singing the song. I liked it a lot. Can you look that up, Josh? I actually don't know if that's her actual singing voice, and I would love to know that, too, because as we discussed recently, she's actually married to Tyson Ritter of the All-American Ooh. Rejects. And Lucky he guy. plays um, 
he plays just a hilarious bad guy in an episode of Cowboy Bebop that you guys should go back and check out if you get a chance. Is he the naked guy with the bear head? No, he... <laughs> Spoilers. Wow. Uh, he's the mink, remember? Uh-huh. Yeah. he's He shows up with Whitney. Uh, Josh is looking that up right now. It, it is her. doing that, Josh. Yeah, oh, my gosh. She does it. Seriously? Singing, Elena Satine. Amazing. Seriously. Yeah. I I really like I, it. Could we, um, I think we need to stop talking about how great she was singing and talk about how physically beautiful she is. Holy crap. Go ahead, Ricky. And how she's our age. Woo! <laughs> and again, married to someone way prettier than us. Go ahead, Whatever. Ricky. Oh, you just you just wanted to oh say she was God. hot. You didn't have yeah, it. Yeah, we were waiting on you, dude. Yeah. I mean, it was like, we were right. It was like, come on, Ricky. Open the floodgates, man. Uh, what do you got? Reminds me of Jessica Rabbit, kind of. She's kind of like this. <laughs> like, if I were eight years old, she would be the perfect version of sexuality to me. So the 34-year-old Ricky thinks that Julia is the perfect version of... Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just... Okay. I mean, I'm kind of making a joke and turning it from her talents into her physical um, looks. But, seriously, she is unbelievable looking. I, I got to agree. My biggest complaint with uh, Julia's performance, honestly, was that there was not a yellow gel slipped over the spotlight that was on her. That's all there was. I was like, that would make it look this much closer to the anime, but I do not think that it detracts from it at all. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, here's a 1% different choice that I would have made, and I don't care that they didn't make it because you guys are totally right. The scene is very difficult to look away from it's easy to understand why everyone in the room is suddenly paying a lot of extra attention to the stage and uh why vicious suddenly goes okay i have to have this woman i'm gonna become a bit of a psychopath about it um and then you guys we get a title card here at 1536 to indicate the passage of time cameron from green shirt anubis trek through the next generation Jeez. yeah Cameron. <sighs> so I have to ask, Josh. I just Cameron is on record as not liking non-standard title oh, cards, and we couldn't figure out that why. girl. Elena Satine was in the Gifted, an X-Men series. That's how oh. I remember. She was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, uh, she was the the dreamer in that series. Okay, okay. Sorry, I just had to, I had to clear that had up a with, for my own. You had a moment. <laughs> my own brain. <laughs> It's important to share moments with the people that you care about. So thank you for doing that, Josh. Yes. I have to ask, or actually, I guess it's not a question. It's really more of a statement. Um, It is the official position of Sudden But Inevitable that it is only okay to cheat if your significant other is a crime lord style assassin with clear psychopathic tendencies, although it may not be recommended in that case. Um, (laughs) So I normally, when I see... when I normally see cheating on screen, I'm really upset. In this instance, I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Spike is the clear choice. He's the like, winner. Um, well, I mean, why I did you like even Vicious spend time Zito. with Vicious? Sorry, sorry, Ricky, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking go about ahead. that earlier, and I was like, well, Spike is definitely breaking the bro code. However, does Vicious... That's not the only How I Met Your Mother reference we're going to make tonight. Vicious doesn't really belong in the Brethren of Bros, because he's such an evil person and he, he's just dripping with red flags and toxic masculinity and all of this stuff. So 
he doesn't deserve to be treated the way other bros get treated. You don't cheat on your bros. Bro, I have but, a yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Bro. It's all right. I have a question, bro. If <laughs> if Spike, if we know that Spike was like an orphan, right? And Vicious saved him, bro? Does that make them bros, or do you think that Vicious did that for like selfish, non-bro reasons, bro? Uh, you know that's an interesting way to phrase that, bro. But uh, what I'm thinking yeah. is yeah, that was more happenstance. That wasn't necessarily Vicious saving Spike. I think they just kind of ran into each other, and Spike got folded in to the life of Vicious, and he stayed a good bro. Oh. But he was in a place with bad bros. Gotcha, bro. I thought so, bro. You're saying Space Denethor was like, okay, that's not your bro, but someday he could be my bro, like professionally. So we're gonna just fold him. That's a good point, bro. Thanks, I hadn't bro. thought about it that way. Now that we're past that, and Josh, if was that a definition of red flag? Is that what you had brought up <laughs> on the screen? That was. I felt. I felt like I saw a red flag pop up there. <laughs> I just wanted to um, put a red flag up there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find the the meme of the girl that's just like covered in red flags, but I. <laughs> um, have you guys ever had a friend, um, you know, totally break the bro code and m end up at you almost getting assassinated for it? It's never happened to me, but I feel like if it has happened to one of you guys, we should talk about it. Once I mean, or twice. <laughs> it has happened to me, and it's probably like a good thing that I'm not currently in jail <laughs> i've got good bros or like a former assassin that would be i mean that would probably put you in jail and that's good to know bro because i don't want you to have pain that would give me pain but no for the most part most of my bros are pretty broy, so bro. they, they've been good bros i'm sorry are you making fun of me and ricky no bro i would never do that okay i just it kind of felt like you were making fun of us there for a second. Um, Chris and Leslie, you you mentioned that you both very uh, astutely, and because you're obviously cool, listened to the entire soundtrack. Um, and because that's sort of, you know, your wheelhouse, I have to ask you, outside of Julia's song, which is just dripping with sexual vocal honey, <laughs> what was your favorite track? Let's have Leslie go first, and then Chris. Let's have you. Go. Did you do that on purpose? Because she starts that song out by saying, "Drip like lather me in honey or what?" Okay, okay, just making sure. Welcome to the show, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so, my uh, favorite piece of the whole score was called "The Fate of the Three. I really liked that piece because it had uh, some common elements to the west it kind of reminded me of how the old uh, saloon songs are played on a player piano the, the sound of a player piano and i really liked uh that feel uh, you know that we got from the song it was really reminiscent of that saloon type of sound you know Josh, can you look up the title of that? I'm assuming that that's the song that played in the last episode during the temple scene, The Fate of the Three. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> um, I just need to know where it was played. I don't necessarily need you to like, risk uh, YouTube <laughs> destruction. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I like The Fate of the Three as well. I mean, that was pretty cool. But I, I got to say, one of my favorite ones was uh, Cat Attack Part One. That one was that one was a fun track because when it started up, I was like, "Okay, what is this?" You know, and it started playing. All of a sudden, the, the vocals start coming in. I'm going, 
well, this is odd, but I really like it and it works. And I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm like, and I'm, so normally when I listen to the scores, I'm driving to work every time. So it, I have my windows up and I'm, you know, that's the only thing I can hear is the score. And that starts up and I'm sitting there like, I'm tapping on the steering wheel. And I'm like, this is weird and funky, but I love it. <laughs> so, so Leslie has a more profound way of saying it. Me, I'm just like, ah, I thought it was weird. I liked it. <laughs> No, it's it's evocative language all the same. I I have a list of songs that um, make me drive faster. Like even if I don't want want to drive faster, and we can we'll talk about those. And if you guys, if you're in the live chat actually, and you have a song that you love to listen to specifically while you drive a little bit too fast, throw it in the chat. I would love to put together a playlist. Josh, what do you got, my friend? So it starts. Right when, uh, right when Vicious's dad is going off on him about being a loser, that's when the fate of three starts and oh, it continues oh. all the way through, um, the end. All the way it's through, it's like a to... saloon music mixed with a right. like almost a mafia yeah. yes, tone, that's yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it was, like mm-hmm. old world it's... strings. What is that? A, uh, it's got to be a is a sitar in there. Uh, maybe a mandolin. Like that thing that they're they're strumming mandolin. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> totally it different instrument. Reminded Jeez, me of, stupid. And we did an episode of the Good and Bad and the Ugly when you have the ecstasy of gold and you have the three yes. standing there and they're eyeballing each other like you know who's going to make the move, and that is what that reminded me of because they were three. And you know this, you know in that movie it was climatic event that brought them there. And so it was very reminiscent of that. Other than the, you know, they then they put that mafia spin on it because L- it, little Godfather yeah. in there for you, Godfathery. Yeah, hundred percent. And I have to. My best friend, he betrayed me. Do this. Yeah. I'll put a horse's head in his bed. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but what I am going to say is, Ricky, if you feel like muting me for a moment on your end, that's totally fine. I'm about to talk about Highlander. So. <laughs> Leslie, when you said Ecstasy of Gold, I was immediately reminded of Metallica's rendition with the San Francisco yep. Symphony Orchestra of Ecstasy of Gold, which they paired with Call of Cthulhu. Amazing. And it was like one of my favorite tracks on that album. So, all right, go ahead, Ricky. You're good. Um, Hocus Pocus by Focus. Josh? I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, that that's Ricky? the song you drive that? fast to. Oh, I'm sorry, Ricky D. <laughs> to be fair, it just says twist my arm. I can't, I can't tell who that is, if that's you, if that's Josh. We're all commenting with the same name. I apologize. Yeah, um, uh, I don't drive fast for Phil, that. Phil, you guys, does anybody want to read or sing any of these? Uh, um, hill, Ricky? Something about Red Barchetta okay. driving I fast, think- going fast. You know what is really fun that I like to drive fast to? Uh, that it's like mm, it's like a classical song that flight of the bumblebee the vocals in the the (laughs) no wrong wrong it's always it's the one that they always use when there's like a slow motion happening oh yeah that's like a you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I'll, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that is that Lux Eterna? Ah, oh, it might be. Is that Lux Eterna? It might be. I think it might be. Yeah. Oh, Phil. no. Our friend Phil 
the smartest or man Fortuna, in yeah, the world. That's, see, that's ah. what I was I was just looking that up because I just saved that song recently, and man, like it's fun to to drive around to that because you get into like this this mode, right? You're like, oh, I just need to let out some steam, but then you pull up to the stoplight, <laughs> blasting that song, and look to the left. <laughs> Whew. Some fun looks, that's for sure. Our friend Angelus in the chat says, here we go. Chris Classic, Godzilla versus Kong OST. Our friend Rona says, Carmine Burana. Our friend, oh, Carmina Burana. Yes, Sorry, Carmina. she corrected that's... it. Apologies. Andre Ryu. Ro, Andre Rao, Carmen Marcon. Yeah, that's, that's on my I can on make my up names too, John. I'm just making up names. Oh. I can make up names too. I'm crafty. <laughs> I'm crafty. I was joking, but you were actually doing that? That's great. I'm having a hard time sounding about. I read. I read. Oh, you were just talking about you read at a bookstore, That's so right. of course we know. Inspirational novel. See, you oh, put right. the comic book down. You read something with substance. From from now on, sure people I at Twitter will introduce know. you as my well-read erudite friend, Josh. <laughs> now, That's all I asked for. You guys. Um, lately, I've been listening to uh, the entirety of the Sturgill Simpson album, Sound and Fury, on just repeat for like, I don't know, maybe a <laughs> month. It's kind of one of those things that the first time I heard it, it changed my life, and it's still in the process of doing so. So I'm just, I'm in love with it, and I cannot stop listening to it. Definitely go check it out. I think I tweeted yeah, it out a while that. ago. So is that the songs that put you, it in the show so notes or something. Is that one of the things you drive fast to, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have i have like a seven minute commute so like i'll put that on and that song's like two and a half minutes and it gets me most of the way there so <laughs> i have a question speaking of bro code oh, did anna break the bro code did she tell vicious where they were i don't think she did um she did say a naughty word yeah. she did um, i mean i would but too. i like like I did. I. I mean, yeah. I did like that we get to see why she has been walking around with a cane in the eight episodes prior up to this, and we find out that it's for good reason. Right. I do have a question, though. It's probably just for Josh and Ricky. I don't mean to exclude <laughs> you, Chris and Leslie, but exclusion. You guys, who do you think gave her those flowers? Like, oh, I had... she said, "You're not the only one who can fall in love," yeah, and then see, she has I... flowers. Vicious like, dad. Wh- right. So I kind of made that connection because how would he have known that he they had papers ready to go unless she spilled the beans about something and she had those flowers. And that was my first thought was they must be lovers because he wouldn't have known any other way. And I don't I don't think a lot of people know about uh, Vicious being the son of that guy. I think that's kind of a pretty big secret within the syndicate that that hasn't really been like brought to light in the world of the, of the show. Syndicate. I got you. Like, I was like, I knew that. <laughs> so that, that was my first thought. Honestly, Leslie was a, that it was his dad that brought the flowers and that that's how he was getting was that there, info. Was there some, some kind of indication of that? Did I just miss him? Was he holding flowers or did he no, do something with flowers? Like I'm, I'm just, he shouldn't have known. Oh, okay. When he goes in there and he's just, like, your, your best friend was out with your girlfriend. And like, I figured that out on my own, blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, like one of I the just, next scenes was fearless going in to get the rose, or like made a comment on Anna's rose, roses, and took one. Yeah, gotcha. I was under the impression that they were just always being 
watched because they did not trust yeah. Vicious, especially if See, Spike that was, was me with, with Jesse. Them. I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, they're just always watched. Then <laughs> you two yeah. pick out the connection with the flowers. I'm like, oh. well, because he said something about the papers. Well, their papers are drawn up. They're running away tonight. And how would he have known that when she didn't like the syndicate? You couldn't have shared this information when we were watching the episode last night. <laughs> I have seen. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I think it's a fair question because I was like, I I don't know at the end of it, and I didn't have any clue. So it's well, possible that I need to watch. And it again Caliban, too. John Noble's character is old. And she likes. He is rich. See, that's our favorite line. And he is kind of. Oh fat. yeah, yeah. That is our favorite line. Yeah, they talking about she, she likes, likes him rich, old, and fat. Right. Oh, I don't think he's that. Fat. Well, I mean, he just looks fat I mean, his not... robes. <laughs> Can we just talk about how awesome yeah, John Noble I... is for a moment? <laughs> Because yes. as long as he's not eating yes, cherry tomatoes, can. he's great. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he was awesome in the that show Sleepy Hollow. Oh, oh my god, he was like one of the best parts of Sleepy Hollow. Was when John Noble showed up. It's like yes, I mean, come on. And it was like when we see him pop up, and Leslie goes, "I thought he was dead. He's not. Yeah, this I is thought great." He died in real life. I'm like, wait a minute, that fella didn't die. I thought he was dead. You guys, I be, I'll be honest, I didn't recognize him the first time I was watching the series. I was just like, oh, that guy's creepy. <laughs> That's cool. Like, there's a reason I, for that. I wasn't like, oh, it's Denethor. I just, yeah, it's well, he does. He really embodies the characters. And I'll be honest, I sort of confused uh, Stax or Stoss or whatever Stax. the guy's name is, like their handler. Stax. I confused him for John Noble's character once or twice, and then I was like, oh, I I figured it out. Um, Phil in the chat brings up a good point. One of Gren's underlings may have spoiled things. Real quick question: What if it was just Gren? Is it possible that Gren, because Gren has made mention of, you know, Anna's not the only one with yeah. eyes and ears everywhere. Is that a reference to the syndicate, or is that Gren saying like, hey, maybe I just do some stuff on my own? She's sometime. the little finger maybe of this universe. They well, maybe they have the right, maybe they have designs on Anna's I, bar. I like it's possible because it seems to be an important place in this world, right? So it's definitely possible. I'm not 100. Um, Phil, <laughs> I that's why I asked Phil. <laughs> Phil says I don't think they do that to Spike, <laughs> and I agree with you. As far as we know, there's no reason that that would happen. Um, but I did feel like it needed to be asked just because that there were a couple lines that made me think that maybe Gren was setting up to have aspirations at something more. I don't know if it would have been, you know. Uh, uh, untoward aspirations, but I, I can't say that it wouldn't have. But um, we have talked before, you guys, about how Anna's Bar is one of my favorite sets. I love the time that we get to spend there. I love that we see the seatbelts on stage. I love that we're hearing music be played live, just everything about it. Um, I, I, I do struggle to keep up in this episode because it's so quick. It feels really quick. Like Vicious personality just takes over at some point and he's like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to not you know, execute this deal how they want me to. I'm going to threaten the guy instead of making a deal. I'm not going to leave this guy alone when I see him on the street. I'm just going to kill him. And I'm not going to, you know, respect the things that I'm told to do. There's that scene where he says, you know, I don't answer to him. And Spike goes, oh, I do. So give me your gun. Like, you know, come on, man. We're in a freaking crime family. We need to act as if. And He's just so spoiled that Vicious goes, he literally gives him, you know, this is going to be all mine one day, right? Like, I just cannot wait to be evil, psychotic king. <laughs> and then the whole dance number with all of the flowers and the crazy colors. That was one of my favorite parts of the episode, I'll be honest. Yeah, he uh, he really is an entitled prick, for sure. <laughs> knowing that, knowing that daddy no is, you know, daddy owns a dealership. 
so everything is fine. <laughs> Dude, my dad owns this dealership, okay? <laughs> and he will hook you up, bro. Man, 10 points to 81 that, is... that names that reference. Whew. Yeah, you've got 13 seconds. Yeah. Um, but seriously, like he, he does whatever the hell he wants. And there was always that kid in high school, right? That would, or like in school, that would just do whatever they wanted because their mom was a teacher there or something. And like would never get in trouble <laughs> and they were always the worst and and uh stacks points that out at some point where he's like i just he's just a bad apple i just don't like him he's just a bad kid and mm-hmm. i mean he's right you don't you don't just hit people with cars and pull out their teeth because you know you're a good guy <laughs> Well, yeah, you're a very happy yeah. person when you do things like that. Yeah. I mean, clear. I mean, if you're the Joker, on. maybe it takes, it takes a normal, sane person to just like douse somebody with gas and like rip their teeth out and everything else. I, I mean, fire. I've seen it every day. It's, it's it's a normal thing. It happens. I don't know what, I don't you, know guys what you guys do down there in the south, but like up here in Colorado, Man, he's a composer. We don't pull people. Composing teeth out. is difficult. <laughs> All right, there's a lot that goes into composing music, Josh. <laughs> Don't make assumptions. I Especially know. When I start hearing him hit the keys real hard on keyboard. What are you doing, Chris? I know that Pull writing is like pulling teeth, but you don't have to be literal about it. Like, dang, dude. Well, I mean, when I don't get a job, I mean, it makes me angry. I can't help it, man. I mean, directors need to be feared of composers. I mean, I keep trying to tell everybody. I can't even finish that one. <laughs> Look at. I was gonna say, watch. Uh, Chris's uh, new LinkedIn page is going to just like all it's going to be one of those acronym posts, but it's going to be fear instead of like team, right? <laughs> Teeth. Uh, Teeth everywhere. I'm a composer. People fear me. <laughs> uh, I and I wonder why I don't get any jobs nowadays. Killer beats. <laughs> but to be 100% fair to Vicious, which I'm sure he feels no one has ever done. His his model, the guy immediately above him, the person he's supposed to be taking Monster. orders from, is the same way. Well, and he's like, he's doing the same stuff. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, one day I'm going to be an elder and I'm not going to have to deal with any of this. It's all going to be mine. I don't have to put up with you. Like, So he has the same attitude that Vicious has. So it's arguable that it's like, really, this is, I mean, Josh, there are definite Sith parallels here, but it's like well, it's definitely more of just an evil ambition thing, right? Like, a blanket evil ambition. That thing. dude is like John Noble Light, because he's like eating his <laughs> right. steak like a savage, and like yeah, I don't know, oh, man. Yeah. It's fake steak. He was it's steak. he was <laughs> he was very uh very much the you know I will just take over eventually Sith. It's fovine, you know. He's what? my new empire. <laughs> well and but that i mean it, it's one of those things like he has to know that vicious poses some sort of power threat to him right him like even though yacht. he's vicious's handler right like even though he's ranks outranks him he is an elder's kid so at some point there's gonna be this conflict of interest somewhere going on right it's gonna happen so I just Ricky D. I feel like this has been our like mobbiest episode oh, yeah. up to this point. 100%. Would you agree with that? Does that? I have to ask, just without spoiling anything. Does that make it your favorite episode? <laughs> like, no, I don't think so. I mean, there's no Ein, so it takes a huge hit for that. Oh, that's but, Jet or Faye. but Ein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I so 
the mob thing has always been just kind of in the background. It's always been floating around. It's always been the sea story. Uh, I mean, it's much more focused on in live action than it is in the animated, but it's always been in the background. This episode, it is right up there front and center. They are doing work and trying to advance the causes of the mob or the syndicate, obviously. Uh, it's yeah, yeah, it's the same. It's just a different word that means the same thing, obviously. But they they do. I really appreciated the very. I don't know what the word is. Clandestine nature of a lot of the scenes in this episode, right? Where there was it just you could feel the like danger coming off of people. There was that sense of palpable. These people are this far from just killing whoever they feel like killing, and that is uncomfortable. Um. And yes, we do have, you know, I'm kind of sad that Carla isn't here in the thirst chat, but we do get a bit of a, uh, a bit of a love scene in this episode, my <laughs> friends. Um, what a, what a ridiculous love scene we... though. I mean, you don't see very many love scenes where, <laughs> where people are getting it on while somebody else is burning somebody alive. Like, yeah, uh, maybe not the websites you go to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Sudden But Inevitable, and we thank you for joining us. We will see you never. Happy Friday. Uh, no, no, it's it, that's actually a really good point because it's, I mean, it's effective AF. Well, and right? it's kind of I showing mean, like Vicious burning his life away, burning his relationship up while, how do I, how do I phrase this? Um, while they go to Pound Town? Spike it's... is... <laughs> <laughs> I would say you know, it's funny that this is. Uh, I think A. Martinez was in a show called Pound Town, by the way. <laughs> wow! I the guy who plays Stack. And he was also and A. Martinez was also in Curse of Chucky, which oh yes. And uh, this one <laughs> is this one for Cam? Yeah, he was also in Jag. <laughs> no, he punched me because I sound like this. <laughs> um, okay, so. I think it's a good point to bring it up, though, that they intercut this pretty violent act with this with pretty violent act, the the trip to the aforementioned town of pounding. And (laughs) I think the reason that they do that actually has to do with Ricky's aforementioned bro code, (laughs) because both of these, let's not call them gentlemen, uh, both fearless and vicious are breaking a code in this scene at the same Mm -hmm. time, right? Uh, Vicious is breaking the code, capital C, of, you know, organized crime, which is you follow the rules, there are rules of engagement, territory gets respected, you don't just have open war in the streets because that could be last man standing. And um, we, uh, you don't, you don't, um, you don't eat out of your- You don't tug on Superman's uh, cape. You don't spit into the wind. <laughs> yes. Pull the mask. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Never play cards with a guy named Doc. And you don't screw your best friend's girlfriend. <laughs> there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Themper is in the chat and listening in podcast land. <laughs> so we've got double code busting at the same time here. Busting makes these two gentlemen feel good and then very bad because they both have a moment of triumph, right? Spike's like, wow, yes, the jokes that Julia we go with here. Julia's like, I I feel like I set them all up. Just they exist within the the listeners' minds. Um, Go ahead, Josh. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'll let the listeners tweet at us their jokes. 
Okay. So Julia has this moment where she looks over and she's like, is this a dream? Um, amazing four word callback. I had to count those. To, to the entire original series, right? Where Spike is going, I've had dreams. I've been killed by women before. I've never been sure that I was waking up from my dream. The movie in particular has a lot of dream themes going along. Uh, the lines of, you know, the butterflies and, you know, Spike always is getting knocked out, etc. So it's it's a great, subtle, tiny nod to that. And it's the one moment where everyone feels like they accomplished something, right? She's like, cool, I have totally connected with somebody better than who i was already with spike's like cool i've found that i can connect to a human being i'm not a cold husk i'm not totally heartless and vicious is like sweet i just uh ripped all of that guy's teeth out and lit him on fire and that was a lot of fun uh man he has fun in a weird way you know, I, as i say it out loud I, I think that scene you know granted you've got this this horrific act going on and then you have this tender moment shared between the two but you know to me you know you start delving a little bit deeper you actually can see the difference between the two characters that spike really does have a tenderness to him that you you hadn't seen before and then you got vicious where he's just kind of it reminds me of when anakin killed all the padawans that was it that was the last straw he just converted straight you know there completely that was it that was the ultimate moment setting this guy on fire um so you can actually see the transformation of both of those characters you know in that moment of time i'm I'm proud over here because i didn't make the star wars reference (laughs) i know (laughs) leslie i'm sure your check is in the mail well done actually we got made josh's entire week we got that ahead of time As long as we're clear on what just happened there, I'm glad. Uh, Chris, I'm sorry. You mentioned something about Star Trek? <laughs> Crickets. No. There, did you not? Do, okay. There's no Star Trek. Did, if you had, if, no, that's totally fine. That's, I must have misheard that. Uh, but yeah, we we do get the, the flashback-y direct translations of some of Josh's favorite scenes. These are actually... So Chris and Leslie in the anime... The first scenes that you see in the first episode are the rose hitting the puddle on the on the concrete and then Spike walking away. And it's just, yeah, so they those shots are like shot for shot and they are huge evocative moments for fans of the original series. For you guys, I would imagine they're just like, oh, this is the most noir thing I've seen in five years on a television screen, right? And, and you get so, the, and you get the the horns, the brass coming in with the you know the saxophone, where it sounds like a slutty sax. Like, you know, like you said, a noir. It sounds like a detective, you know, uh, thing going on. It's like I'm just expecting you know Humphrey Bogart to show up and go, well. A night like this, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that was the the. You see, Cal, we can't be going out there in the middle of the night looking for criminals, okay? We can't go pull teeth, all right? It's just bad for business. <laughs> I was gonna say she was uh, five foot four and every bit of trouble, and she was blonde when she walked through my she door. Was but five foot four when I was dreaming, every bit she of was trouble, yeah. and she <laughs> carried a nine millimeter. I, yeah. He, you can't do it without going to like the news person voice from the 20s and 30s. I don't know why. Like people, I don't know that they sounded like that. I think it was an audio like 
engineering <laughs> reason that everything sounds like that from back in the day, but I'm not 100%. Um, but our friend Phil K., the super fan for Bebop, does confirm for us. He could not believe how perfectly they lined up those shots. The puddle shot alone, it really does, it feels like live action translation, like cell for cell. And and it was it was unbelievable, Dateline Mars. And it it to me, I knew... I knew when the when I first saw the live action version of the intro, right? The first time I heard Tank and saw that like live actionification of the intro, I was like, I mean, I was there in the virtual room with you, Josh and Ricky. I was like, you guys, I am so effing here for this. Like, this is this is exactly what I need. Chris and Leslie, we we have a, a bit of a reputation here on our show for being just like huge fanboys of the series, and we don't always uh, bring the most critical lens to this show so I'll, I'll ask you since you've had no prior experience with it the visuals you know combined with the music and the audio in this show are very unique it's all i guess that you can't be very unique you either are unique or are not unique but they're uh stylistically unique they're not something that you expect to see necessarily what did you guys think of this episode as a whole visually when when you got done watching it let's have leslie go and then chris well you know i i've like I said, I since I've never seen the series, I had to, you know, read a little bit about the background to try to understand since we were just jumping in, you know, kind of in the middle of Well, no, it's like the things. one episode before the last one. And so, You're at the end, yeah. <laughs> well, so to try to understand. Well, you're at the start, really, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the very first episode for me, gosh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, I had to kind of look at a synopsis to try to figure out, okay, what's going on? Because I listened to the score first, as I said, and I'm like, this is all over the place. You've got this country feeling. You've got this um, this uh, heist feeling. You've got uh, these other elements. I'm like, so what is actually going on here? I, so the first thing that I thought of was Cowboys versus Aliens, how you know that score kind of was in the West. And so when I started to read the synopsis, I'm like, this makes sense. This makes sense to the score. So then, you know, as we were watching this episode, I was looking uh, at the pacing. And in my opinion, uh, because I had no idea what was going on other than, you know, what was playing on, on the screen, it was kind of slow to me. But I think that it's only mm -hmm. because I, I had no clue of what was happening prior, you know. Um, but in my mind, it, the, the pacing was a little bit on the slow side. Um, I loved the visual effects that they, they used, you know, one of the scenes where he went in there and started to uh, kill uh, everybody in the other syndicate, that kind of panoramic mm -hmm. shot to me, that was beautifully yeah. done. I really liked that, how he's flipped off the table and you could see him flipping in the air, you know, the action sequences I thought were, were real nice. And, you know, overall I, I liked the episode. This is a perfect episode for you guys to watch without watching anything else, though, because it is like a prequel to everything. So if you went yeah. back and started from the beginning of a season, it would all make a lot more sense. Yeah, it's like you only watched the backstory. And if you started over now, you'd be I mean, you'd be way ahead. We're not pressuring you, but you have to do I'm it. Pressuring so go ahead you. This. <laughs> oh, no, I, and I, I'm actually planning to watch the finish, you know, start the series from the start first the series to finish it yeah, start the series to finish it since we're like a, you know the episode right before the last but no visually it, it it was especially with vicious i mean it was straight up anime you could just it was dripping with anime styles i mean because the way he looked the the, the way the camera would loom on him for a little bit 
visually, I mean, it was it was very striking. Straight up, it was. Uh, it did have a little bit of the the Dutch angles with the comic book style, where the camera would tilt a little bit. I thought that was kind of cool, but sometimes they did it a little bit too much in this episode. And I'm it's going huge. One of the biggest complaints of this yeah. whole series is the Dutch camera angles. Yeah, it, it was like okay, it's like okay, it's not needed right here. It, I mean, just <laughs> you don't have to go full anime. Just go, you know, get your shot across. You know, without without doing that, and I don't know. I mean, but overall, watching it, I sorry, Leslie, I gotta disagree with you. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> I was saying I liked it. I said I liked it. Uh, I like the pacing. She, she, I, like, she I, I didn't like the pacing. It's it kind of slow. I like I like the pacing. I like the way it told the story to it. And I I mean, to me, the pacing worked for the episode because the music was there. The music kept it going. And it, it, the way it had the jazzy feel with, you know, a little bit of a cowboy feel going in there. I mean, because the show is called Cowboy Bebop for crying out loud. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it, the way it kept going, you know, and, and the way the music was helping along with, especially with Julia singing and everything else, it, to me, it just worked. It, the pacing just was, you know, going along as much as it, but when it got to the end, when Vicious went, you know, full on. That- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Full on psycho moment. I, that's to me is when it really sped up. That's when it really started to like, and then all of a sudden the episode was over. Where I'm like, no. That <laughs> was when the psychotic mo- moments happened, right? Like Daredevil yeah, exactly. when Kingpin smashes that dude's head in a car. You're like, oh yeah, this oh. is cool. So this one you see, <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. just pull someone's teeth out, and you're like, all right, I'm down. Yeah, then it's like episode over. I'm like, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> got to do the trailing off though. It, it, so to to Leslie's point, I would agree that this this episode out of the series has probably some of the slower pacing uh, for a single episode. Um, it is not the slowest. The slowest one is uh, I think episode five. It's an episode called Dark Side Tango. It's a, it moves very slow, but it is ultra noir. Like it's almost mm. an experiment mm-hmm. in noir. And um but I I agree that this episode has a couple moments where I'm like please pick it up a little bit. Um nothing I think I would agree with Leslie there was nothing that ruined it for me that had anything to do with the pacing. Um but I do I I am I think it's great to hear you guys say that you noticed all the crazy amount of Dutch angles, but it didn't ruin it. I mean, it is it is prevalent, and that is, I think, a valid complaint because for some people, being off kilter on that framing is going to be like physically disorienting. Um, but I'm okay I really quickly want to say uh, hello. Oh, I totally am too. I'm gonna really quickly say hello to our friend Smallville Sky. It says, "Hey guys, just got off work. Hopefully, I didn't miss much. It's not all of it. You haven't missed all of it. You're we're a little mm. over halfway." But Chris and Leslie did bring up the scene, right? Capital S, where Spike goes, "Okay, I will fix the problem oh. that Vicious has created by uh, just." One manning this entire yeah. encounter, no problem. Like, are you kidding me? He's got like the coolest little machine pistols, and he goes in there, wrecks them, just so calm after a cigarette. I mean, let's talk about before we talk about the scene of Spike just whooping every ass that's available. <laughs> we have to talk about smoking in media, okay? Again, I know smoking is bad. Nobody should smoke. People should be allowed to smoke on TV. You know, they didn't movies, let okay? uh, Penguin do it in the new Batman movie. I saw 
That's kind of okay. why I brought yeah. it up. But really, I didn't know which, about that. Which, yeah, by the way, I saw the Batman Spoiler. yesterday, and it is a fantastic Batman movie. It is, I mean, if you the score you, is amazing. Yeah, we love the score. The score it's, is absolutely amazing. It's the most comic book accurate Batman uh, ever, and like wow. Rob Rob Battinson is wonderful. So. So, Spark- so Sparkle Boy pulled it off, huh? Sparkle Boy. Yeah, he did. He did. But I did read that article about not being able to smoke. Like Colin Farrell was like really upset that he couldn't smoke because Penguin always smoked his cigars. And WB was like, Yeah, we have an image to protect. Yeah, Batman is beating the shit out of criminals, but like you can't smoke. <laughs> Blood everywhere, but no smoking. Yeah. It kills. So I mercilessly. I personally like on a on like a societal level, I would be okay if smoking was not allowed, except for on TV and, and movies. Like if you could not purchase cigarettes unless it was it's for a production, so that people smoke. in that production would look cool. I would. Be, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it might be a better place overall. But but I'm not saying you should quit, Josh. I'm, I'm just, saying I'm just quit. saying. Uh, I think people should be allowed to You're smoke in movies and TV because. It, yeah. Well, Call back. It, it creates it creates just so much drama in a, in a film frame to have smoke curling and writhing among the crevices of an actor's face or among the pieces of the set like there's just so much it's it's literally portable directable atmosphere. Well, and how many awesome memes have we gotten out of smokers? The Ben Affleck meme where he's smoking a cigarette. The one with Matthew McConaughey and he's like really, really smoking that cigarette hard. Like, it is cool to smoke in movies. <laughs> Just for memes alone. We, Just I mean. for memes. We've talked about it before. We wish it weren't the case, but smoking is cool in movies and, and television. Now, let's talk about this scene, Okay. Let's give let's give Josh. I want to give you a moment to talk about this scene first, and then we'll go Ricky. Then we'll go Chris and Leslie. Talk, Josh. Talk to me about the spike destruction, the spike waltz through this room full of. Are you talking about the dudes. obligatory Netflix one shot scene that is in almost every single Netflix show? <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say this is probably a faux one shot because there's some definitely some pans over some screen <laughs> yeah. breaks. I'm not complaining. But I did. I love. I mean, this Daredevil shot. did it better. That's all I'll say about it. I mean, this this is a great <laughs> shot, but like, <laughs> um, no, I he went in there completely fearless, right? Like he had, he really showed off why his name is fearless in this particular scene because he did not give one single fuck. He was like, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to fix this and just kill everyone instead of just killing Vicious and then being able to A, still work for the syndicate and B, run off into the sunset with Julia because Vicious is now dead. She'll get over it. Like, you're just going to go and kill the whole mob? I mean, I I, I guess I kind of get it. You did it for the love of your brother who you have been screwing over for a while already anyway. I mean... That's a good point, though, Josh, because now are these poor, innocent other mobsters that are probably into organized crime and not innocent at all, are they reaping the non-benefits of the fallout of Spike and Vicious' relationship? Like, they're getting killed here because he's cleaning up Vicious Mess. He's only cleaning up Vicious Mess because he knows that he totally broke the bro code, bro. And, bro, I feel like that could be kind of necessary, but, like... I think Spike should have really thought this one through and just been like, bro, 
I could just kill this guy and I would be totally fine. Like I could just, I could just tell Julia that he disappeared. He ran out, he ran away and write a fake note that says, bro, sorry, but we were breaking up. And then like, that's it. Right. That's what I would have done. You would hope (laughs) you would hope Ricky D. What do you think about this scene? And what did you think about that? Is, is this the first instance of spike, like, is this as bad as Spike gets? I think yes. arguably, obviously, uh, it is. Well, this is as the bad way as Spike I the end of this scene. Yeah, exactly. Well, the way I interpreted it, uh, this whole scene was earlier in this very episode, we see somebody walk in on uh, Vicious and Spike killing somebody, and Spike lets her go. And Vicious, you know, chides him about it and says, you shouldn't do that. This time, he sees somebody kind of witnessing the end of his mayhem, and he ends up killing her. So there's definitely a change that has occurred within him. And I think that the most evil, the worst version of Spike exists to protect Vicious. So that's the reason all these people got killed is because Spike is 100% on board for protecting Vicious. Whether it's because he just broke the bro code and he's having emotions about that, or it's because they grew up together. But he is willing to do terrible things for Vicious. I think you nailed it, though. It is a it is a bit of a non-subtle commentary on the potential toxic relationships that can exist with family or with found mm-hmm. family in this case, right? Like it can be tempting to latch on to things that seem like exactly what you wanted, but they turn out to be like a psychopath with white hair and a blade <laughs> fetish. A weird um, blade fetish, man. <laughs> I mean, but a blade finish is a blade finish, right? I mean, pulls you can't, that, he pulls don't that knife out of that guy's. Nobody's judging. <laughs> hey, nobody's judging your fetishes. Do you want me to tell everybody Please, what you're into, and then have happened. them judge that? Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't I have just, any weird just, fetishes. Just, just, <laughs> Josh, we all we all know, know how you man, feel about you blades, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know if it counts as a fetish, but I heard Josh cries after sex. <laughs> I'm always just so happy, man. You don't gotta call me out like that. That's an <laughs> like it doesn't happen very often, and when it does, I'm very happy about it. Wow, Josh, I was this close to jumping to your defense, and then you were just like, "No, here's the cliff. Here I go." So <laughs> jump right off, man. I'll take care Never of it. Mind, I got I this. Guess. It's fine. Uh... <laughs> No shame. I was wow. gonna say that's just an emo kid thing that he does to keep in character. Um, so We're still wearing eyeliner here soon. I, our friend <laughs> Angelus asks, "Is there even a bro code in the syndicate, bro?" That's a fair question, bro. Thank you for asking because I would think the syndicate code supersedes a bro code, right? Because it's like life. And but bro code is so ubiquitous; it just kind of it exists in the ether. There's so many bros in the syndicate that syndicate code right. might trump bro code, but bro code can't be eliminated entirely. Well, and what is the syndicate code? Is that more like do for yourself and screw your bro? Because bro, that would be messed up. But the term syndicate indicates some level of cooperation. I, You guys, it's possible that we're focusing on this too much. I'm not 100% on that. Chris and Leslie, what did you guys think? Of the one shot, or the the faux one shot that was glorious nonetheless. What did you think of of Spike just wasting face endlessly? So, you know, throughout the the episode, you you see him talking um, to the head guy. I can't remember his name. I think it was Stax or something. And he, he said it more than once. I can fix this. I can fix this. 
you can obviously tell that there's an emotional connection between him and Vicious. And as far as the syndicate is concerned, Vicious uh, needed to be, you know, dealt with accordingly. There, you know, the syndicate could care less if there is an emotional connection between these two fellows, and there really is one, and you can you can see it obviously. So when Spike went in there and he said, "I can fix this," you know, he was trying to help out. I, you know, I feel vicious. You, you didn't kill him like they they told him to kill him to begin with. You know, you let him go. Um, but then he went in there and he started, you know, killed them all. And there's my Metallica reference. You could see, as Ricky D said, he did turn because he did. You know, you thought that he was going to leave that one girl run away, and in essence, he didn't. He he killed her. He shot her right there on the spot. And at that point, you could see that Spike hit his lowest because obviously he he does have feelings, whether or not he he says he does or not. You know, he cares about um, vicious. And then here you see him actually kill somebody that was an innocent, you know, in this whole whole matter. I bet that was, so, I bet that was the moment he realized he wanted to get out, though, because that was before right. he had run to Julia and said, we need to run away. Like, I think that was the moment where he's like, OK, I'm so sick of sticking up for this guy and cleaning up all of his messes and, you know, looking over my shoulder constantly with the syndicate like mm. and I feel like, you know, also at that moment, he realized what he truly is capable of. And that scared him because he is capable of being a monster like Vicious. Mm-hmm. And, and you see it on his face right before he shoots the innocent person. You see him kind of stop, hesitate, and think about it for a moment. And he's just like, I'm going to have to do something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when he shoots her. And, and you can, I, like you're talking about there, where this this is the moment where he realizes that he wants out. And that right there is the moment. That when he stops and thinks about it for a moment, that's when he's just takes everything in and he's just like, This this is gonna stop. I gotta stop sticking up for vicious and everything else. And and the whole scene leading up to, you know, the Netflix one take of beautiful cinematography there. Yeah, yeah. Oh well it was great, but I got to agree with Josh. Daredevil did do it better, but I'm waiting for the Cuphead show for the one take scene in there where Cuphead has a big fight and everything else. It's on Netflix. (laughs) So the whole scene where it's leading up, you know, Spike's there with the knife and everything. You're thinking, okay, is this really fixing to happen? Is he fixing to knife him in the back or something like that? And it's like, you can see Spike thinking about it for a moment. Then he's just like, don't worry about it. I'll fix this. And that's when he just goes yep. full vicious and kills everybody in the entire room, you know, bringing out his inner Charlie Cox there and lays waste to everybody in the entire room. And then that very last moment, it's kill the person, you know, kill the innocent and everything else. Then it's like he's he snapped back for just a little bit. He's like, whoa, why did I do this? What? Why am I doing this? And it's all pointing to vicious. And it's just like, all right, it's time to leave. Okay, I have to say this. In defense of John Cho, Charlie Cox is 11 years younger than John Cho is. Just throwing it what? out there. <clears throat> it's not like it's not like Charlie Cox was behind the camera, you guys. And I got to give it to John Cho. He got ripped for this show. I mean, he really did. Yeah, I and I haven't seen Daredevil. I'm not hating on it. I just I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> what? So you haven't seen da- what? No, you would I, like I, that show. Does that you surprise you? Like does that show, honestly though. surprise you? Like you? Yeah, you would. I, 
I'm not saying that He's I wouldn't like it. I'm ever. asking you if it surprises you that I haven't seen it's it. All right, I can just hear Sean yelling at right. me right now. He's not going to watch. He doesn't like your suggestion. Daredevil <laughs> is the superhero that's blind, but his powers make it so that doesn't matter, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I thought I thought I had yes. the right guy. Still hearing. He's played by Ben Affleck. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no. God, I wish <laughs> I could block the host. <laughs> <laughs> this is the. I'll be honest, that's actually the second time we've done that joke on the show, so it's not even fresh. Um, but Josh, I'm not saying I won't watch Daredevil. I, I just felt like it needed to be mentioned, man. Like I'm I thought this scene was great. And I know that none of you are poo-pooing the scene or anything like that. So I don't mean to to imply that you No, it are. had some of the best uh choreography. Um John Cho had some of the best like oh, man. flipping over tables and like when he did the the thing with the chick where he like breaks her arm back and like shoots a couple people and then shoots her, like oh, yeah. There's a bunch of really sweet in the face. Um, choreography that was a lot like better. Like like these one shots on Netflix. Like I said, it's the obligatory one shot for a Netflix show because most shows have some sort of one shot like this, even if it's a faux one shot or whatever. But they they get better every single time, and I feel like with you know this this was kind of one of the better ones out of anything that I've seen. Well, it's like the shot. Much like this series, it's like this one single shot is going genre by genre, trope yeah. by trope as he kills yeah. more and more bad guys, right? Like it starts out with just straight up a gunfight. And then he's got like a little bit of a matrix move and a little bit of an equilibrium move. Then he kills somebody with an axe because they have an axe in that room. And it's like, then he starts doing just all these different cool moves and different kills. It's like, it's like a, a, homage to all of the cool assassin kills you've ever seen in anything else before all lined up genre to genre end to end to prove that spike really is just the coolest dude ever Mm -hmm. period and i i can't believe that they managed to pull off getting me to think a live action actor is just on like impossibly cool in 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 a, in a way that makes me feel like an idiot because i can't come up with another word other than cool now speaking of feeling like an idiot i generally just steamroll right past some conversational topics as we go through this show you guys know me that is just a, an inevitable truth of our sudden show josh is there anything that you feel like i have skipped past that we have to talk about before we get to this week's segments the last thing that i wanted to talk about was my final how i met your mother reference when Vicious is walking up to Spike at the very end and says to him, she's not coming. It reminds me of one of Barney's uh, playbook plays where he goes to people at the top of the, at the uh, top of the, one of the towers in New York. And he finds the one woman that's standing there lonely and says, he's not coming. And like one out of five times it works. So for me, that, that it just made me laugh because when Vicious came up and says she's not coming, I'm like, oh, he's going to take him home. <laughs> but then I realized, you know, what I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get shot, not not dated. Yeah. Uh, I Again, uh, it's not a show that I refuse to watch. It's just a show that I haven't seen. I won't even, I won't even recommend that one to you because I don't care. <laughs> Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Is there anything that you feel we must discuss before we get to our segments, my friend? Yeah, I have just a small little thing. Uh, One of my favorite bits about Cowboy Bebop is the Easter eggs of real information. Uh, They actually talk about 
different planets in our solar system and they actually mm. live on the Mars of Ju or the sorry, the moons of Jupiter and all this kind of stuff. And uh, one thing that was mentioned early on by Stax is that it rains diamonds on Neptune. And that is real. There's something about the pressure systems that uh, will build up and put diamonds and they'll get up into the sky and it will rain diamonds on Neptune. And I think on. Uh... Is it one of the moons oh. of Jupiter? No. <laughs> uh you know what? Let's just forget that because I can't remember the name. Where's Phil? <laughs> he, Phil, hey, you got yeah, know. Come on, Phil. He... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Thimper is in the live chat. Throw up your favorite planetoid or planet that rains diamonds in its atmosphere. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the character almost looks right into the camera when he says that. Like, right? Isn't that nuts? And then and then like, I I did I did pick up on that. I was like, that's freaking cool. And, uh, I was and waiting. It, for, it is. It's... I was waiting for the reading rainbow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys, we're dropping that in right there. That's all there is to that. The more you know. Chris and Leslie, is there anything that you guys feel we have to discuss before we get to our segments for the week? So I did write something down uh, as far as uh, score-wise uh, was concerned. Um, because I was, you know, do, I always look at trivia, too, when I, you know, do a... Um, Joke, do an episode. <laughs> Sorry, my brain is fried. Um, so I, I made a list, and I found this in the trivia. It says, the movies that inspired the original show. And I feel like the movies that inspired the original show has also inspired the music. Uh, the Big Sleep, The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. Now, remember, we just mentioned that when we talked about um, The Fate of the Three. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde, 2001 A Space Oddity. Odyssey, oddity, <laughs> dirty Harry. You know, think about the scene you just talked about in Dirty Harry, uh, mm -hmm. Lethal Weapon, and The Crow. All the music from those movies. Just think about that and how it's kind of absorbed into Cowboy Bebop. I just want Jet now to say, "I'm getting too old for this shit." Spike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fair. I I don't mean to interrupt you guys. We have to do a Crow episode. We have to find somebody who has not seen The Crow. Watch it with them and do a sudden but inevitable episode about it. I would really enjoy it. If it that. helps, I've never seen The Crow. Oh, Jesse okay. made me watch The Crow when we were in high school. Really? I have a pretty good track record of introducing stuff to people that they end up enjoying. I'm just going to throw that out He's there. Like, I, hate I have a whole podcast about it, actually. <laughs> Dude, The Crow is good, and I know Ricky likes it. Our friend Angelus likes The Crow as well. We have to say hello to our friend Steve in the live chat. He made it. Thank you for being here with us, Steve, who has fixed his uh, previously drunken keyboard. Uh, Chris, I'm sorry I cut you off. Uh, Leslie, Chris, did you guys have anything else you wanted to discuss before we get to our segments? The one thing I wanted to talk about was the whole one take, uh, the music side of it. All right, so you, you've you got this, you know, up until this moment, you you have like the, the, 60, the 50s, 60s, 70s uh, jazz feel going on. And then when you get this one take, it, it brings in like the 80s guitar you know it's going all over the place and it's it's mirroring what you know spike is doing and shows it also mirrors the the you know attitude that spike has how it goes unhinged how it just you know showcases but it's still got a beat going <laughs> so that's the one thing all the scores always got a beat going and it's still got a beat going even for this and it, it sounds awesome and it sounds great but it just it, it's it's off the rails as far as like the huge guitar wails and everything else. And I mean, it worked 
so well for the no scene. No slutty sax. Yeah, no slutty sax in there. It was <laughs> it was gone. Sax man was out playing on the beach <laughs> with some vampires and you know swinging his chain around and everything else. So it was great. <laughs> the uh, I have to point out the live chat is coming for you, John. I know, and I must defend myself because that. holy shit. Um, so I was wow. I was raised in a very very very. <laughs> religious family i'm talking i got grounded for reading harry potter so the crow was wow, not true. something i was going to be able to watch when i was younger not a, so it's not the, it's not for oh. like lack of wanting not I, didn't, I never wanted to see it it just it came out i didn't get to watch it the time passed our friend angelus in the live chat makes an excellent point michael wincott in the movie the crow is like vicious mm. and that's that's a hundred percent accurate michael wincott if i'm not mistaken also voiced one of the evil alien leaders in one of the halo games maybe um anyways yes michael wincott is the man that's that's where we're at ladies gentlemen emperors in the chat and listening in podcast land I think that it is time that we move into the segments for Sudden But Inevitable. Josh, if you don't mind, the first of those segments is something that we like to call Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episode. Those moments that are now living rent-free in our heads. We have something very cool this week, and I kind of don't know how we didn't think of this before, but I... This is actually born out of a mistake that I made. I failed to explain exactly how Shot of the Show works to Chris and Leslie. So they sent me their selection, and I was like, this is brilliant. We have to figure out a way to do this. And thankfully, producer Josh is here, so he did that. And Josh, just play this quick little shot for us. And as it's playing on the screen, Chris and Leslie, go ahead and talk about this shot. So, all right, all right. So you see the wine, you know, or whatever that is, like liquor, and then it's it's going into the gas. The transition there is so seamless. I I could not tell where the cut was as I was watching it, and you know, you see it on the loop. You still can't really tell, and and the way the fo the you know they rack the focus and everything else, it was awesome it was one of those i was like whoa whoa i i had to back it up a couple times and watch it and i'm like that that was amazing how they did that there, and it's just seeing that right there is like where and there's the cut it, it's barely even in there how they did that was amazing yeah and, the cinematography behind yeah, that was nice yeah it was great i loved that i loved how they did that right there and it was just one of those things it was like that, that right there was one of those moments it really just kind of like kind of took me back i'm like whoa whoa that was awesome um ricky d do you notice at the start of that clip um what is happening in the background <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah the town the town of pounding is just being arrived yes. at um, they're taking their exit the, yes they <laughs> the, the off-ramp has arrived and it's time to 10 and 2 driving <laughs> metaphors oh, that's um, amazing. Uh, our friend uh, steve says game of thrones had one episode that had three or four of this kind of shot and then 
never again. Um, I'll actually, since we're talking about great transitions, do you guys remember in the movie Highlander when they, I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself, Ricky D. Josh, if you don't mind, Ricky, put your headphones back on. I was just kidding. Jeez, sensitive much? Thank you, Chris and Leslie, for that selection. That is a beautiful thing. And that's the first video pick we've ever had for Shot of the Show here at Sudden But Inevitable. So, milestone. Josh, if you don't mind. Share Ricky D's shot of the show with us, and then give us the time code, and then Ricky D, talk about yes. your shot. Ricky D's shot comes in at the 32 minute and 15 second mark. Yeah, this is obviously Vicious sitting in his really cool room that I was appreciating earlier. Uh, this <laughs> is... Uh, uh, he's sitting there, he's trying to decide what he's going to do about, you know, uh, he just killed Kaching, and he's basically, he's... He's broken the orders of what he was told to do by Stax, and he's just sitting there going, okay, what am I going to do? He's still got that confidence, but it's also very misplaced confidence, and he doesn't, he's not sure where to take it, and Spike is entering the room behind him, and Spike is going to solve this problem for him. Yeah, and the way you said that made me really think, oh yeah, because then Spike kills him here, which he almost does, but he doesn't. He he gets really close, and Spike, I think, does recognize. You can see on John Cho's face that killing Vicious would be the easy way out, but Spike, still carrying that weight, thinks, okay, but that's not the right thing to do in this crazy backwards set of circumstances. One more quick thing about that shot. Uh, if you pay attention while they're in Vicious's weird black bedroom thing that he's in lots of um sculptures of naked male torsos yes uh really interesting (laughs) frequently a uh sign of power Mm -hmm. i believe in art um i think there's also an illustration of the crow that he always has on his shoulder in the anime in the in some of the art on his walls which i really appreciated um our friend steve has shown up ladies and gentlemen just to say hashtag this is my vicious um, I'll point out all he's doing is wallowing there, Steve, but I'm not hating. Josh, if you don't mind, bring up your shot, give us the time code, and then talk about it. So mine comes at the 14 minute and 42 second mark. Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. This, mm. this is the second that Julia comes off stage and she's riding this high from singing for the first time in front of a crowd Big thing. She's flapping her hands. I had to make sure that her hands were like messed up in this because I wanted to show that that she's like, yeah, moving them because that is me when I was 16 years old coming off stage for the first time in front of a crowd of people like doing a good job at a a show, you know, and that feeling of just like apps, that thrill, that that high, that the endorphins that just spill out after doing that. It's I. I felt that watching her, you know, get all giddy after her performance. So it's a it's a relatable scene for me. And I, I just I really to see the that like magic in her eyes where she's like, oh, my God, I'm I'm so yeah. excited that I'm doing something that I love. It's it's really it's really cool. So it's that, that's my shot for sure. I I really like that. And Josh's music is a little different than Julia's music. Right. Absolutely. Um. But but Josh's corset is exactly the same. His hair is just as long, and he wears his necklace plunging. My belt buckle does have a bottle opener so, on it, though. Just you know, because duh. Yeah. You're practical. I could see why you would identify with that shot, Josh. Hundred percent. I agree with you, and so does our friend Phil in the chat. 
Excellent, excellent choice. If you don't mind, bring mine up and give me the time code because I don't remember. Jesse's comes at the 28 minute and three second mark. Oh, man. So this is right after Chris and Leslie's pick. This is the moment where Vicious, this is his his Rubicon flaming gangster, right? Like he cannot go back from this point and he's totally fine with that. He's going to just light this guy on fire in the street. He gives zero Fs. He's got his lieutenants standing there watching it. He's just, he's like, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm vicious and I operate like this. And, and I just, I can't, I can't get over the balance of color and light and flame and dark and shadow in this scene. I love it. You've got blue, you've got white, you've got black, you've got orange. It is just a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, Josh, I don't know if you had a moment to get our friend Angela's shot ready to go. It's but if it's really did... hard for uncultured swine to do this kind of thing. But here you go, Angela. <laughs> but you managed to do it. Look at that. We've got Julia on stage. She is wrapped in honey, and she is taking us all to Mars. That is an excellent, yeah, excellent I really like pick, Angelus. Thank you. Um, Steve is wondering all who all is still here. Steve, the Dunfees were here earlier. It's possible that they're asleep, but they were here at some point, I promised. And Angela says you nailed it, Josh. Well done. Thank you. I believe that brings us to our second segment for the week, which is something that we call No Finer One-Liner. No Finer One-Liner is the sister segment to Shot of the Show, where we share our favorite moments of dialogue from this week's episode. Josh, go ahead and give us Chris and Leslie's pick first, and then they can walk us through it. What was my excuse last night? Last night, I was too young. Night before that, I wasn't rich enough. What can I say, hotshot? I like them old, rich, and fat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. The whole banter was just great. I mean, you, you get a sense of who these people are. You get a sense that they've known each other for a while. They like to play with each other. And there's and a chemistry there. You and, know. and, you know, there might be a little bit of a, a hint at, you know, who she's with or liking at the moment, you know, or sleeping with, whatever. And, but it, it was, the chemistry there was fun. And it was just, it was one of those things. It was like, it made both of us laugh. It's like, yeah, that, that, that's got to be one of our favorite moments right then and there that favorite line i mean that that just works i really like that it doesn't really feel like they're either of them is flirting to get anywhere right Right. they're flirting because it's fun and they and they're like we're just doing this because we are we both know this ain't going anywhere but it is fun to do yeah Uh, so i i feel like they really conveyed that difference between like actual flirting and like you know buddy style flirting i guess you could call it uh callie is here uh her mother is too so uh don't just be making things up and throwing them in the chat sinister you could you could really Uh, i'm also i'm technically streaming through facebook to give us an extra viewer so i'm also in there there you You can't let people (laughs) know that we're cheating like that (laughs) you risk being assaulted in the chat by ricky d if you're here live ladies and gentlemen again that's youtube.com slash twist my arm podcast every friday night at 8 30 p.m mountain standard time uh steve does point out that this episode finally gives oh you know what I'm not even going to mention that right now, Steve. Uh, Josh, please play for us your selection for No Final Oh, one this line. one is specifically for Chris and Leslie. 
because that music fill is a line in itself and it's incredible that whole scene the uh the drummer like the whatever drum set he's playing it looks like he's got he's playing on two floor toms which is you know awesome and then you got like yeah, the, I didn't notice, I didn't notice the two floor toms yeah right it was weird but it had a great sound to it that that little fill that he does and then it goes right into the trumpet and then there's a piano and then like it's it's such a cool like back and forth between instruments that I, I i had to make that my line of the show it works it, it was great i and that was the one thing you know <laughs> i talked about before the music how the music was going and everything else and how it shifts so many different genres and everything else but it always works it always works for the scene it always yeah. meshes together wonderfully so yeah that was yeah <laughs> that worked yeah I love that pick, Josh. Very, very well done. And Callie D in the chat, no need to apologize. We just wanted Steve to know what was going on. He seemed very lonely. And our friend Smallville Sky is still here, too. And he's just very happy that Josh was able to throw in a How I Met Your Mother reference. So, uh, <laughs> Josh, if you don't mind, give us Ricky's pick for this week. You're an embarrassment, meaningless rock. His only achievements come from the doings of others. Oh, how I dreamt that one day you would prove yourself to be man enough. Nevertheless, I should have ended you long ago. But here you still are, by some miracle. Yeah, so I picked another long one this week. So I was watching this entire episode just going, Vicious is the most evil, vile piece of crap ever. He's toxic masculinity he's male fragility he's all of these new woke terms that you can just identify so clearly with him and i'm just going god he's a bad guy and i but then we see this scene with his father and his father's telling him he's worthless he's a slug he could never accomplish anything and i'm like holy crap growing up with a lifetime of that and then dealing with a future lifetime of that because it's not like he gets to run away when he's 18 years old he's in business with his father so he's gonna have to deal with that every day going forward and i was like that would make a monster that would turn a good man very very bad yeah note to self do not purchase swords for ricky d's <laughs> birthday go ahead Leslie. i like the fact that it it was almost shakespearean in nature it's just like a, it reminds me of a soliloquy almost yeah and it goes but alas you know it was like i mean that's that's the power of john Noble, exactly. right? Shakespearean. Just, yeah the gravitas in his voice is just like i i yeah everything that he says is just imbued with this like actual just I don't know what the word is for it. It's it's like vinegar, and and it's like he actually hates the people he's talking to. He's a well, really he's, good actor because I don't think he probably actually. He's still so conniving <laughs> about it too because he's like, I'm so proud of you for doing what you did last night, and then oh. Vicious is like, uh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They talk shit, and and then John Noble's just like pop punches him in the stomach, and he's like, you are a yep. piece of crap. And then just like yeah. proceeds to shit on him over and over again. Like, like Ricky was talking about how Vicious was so crazy through this whole episode. And it's like, well, John Noble enters the chat and just <laughs> destroyed him. But it's like, you got to think John Noble would have just ended Vicious here himself if, if Spike if, hadn't. 
Spike hadn't just wiped out the entire competition, right? He'd be like, you know, I would have to kill you if he hadn't killed everyone. Yep. Like, you are so lucky, and I still do not. <laughs> Josh, go ahead and bring up my selection this week, my friend. So how are all of them? The elders will see. They're going to say I've done the right thing. We need to put the fear into those Neptune savages. Whatever happens, happens. Sorry to cut you off earlier, Steve. That was why I didn't finish mentioning your comment. You made the same pick that I did for No Finer One-Liner. I just had to include whatever happens, happens. Fans of the anime will know that that is one of Spike's most famous lines, and it just it gets dropped here in a way that isn't meant to upstage the original. It's not meant to be a cheap copy of the original. It's clearly paying its respects and just being its own thing. He's not trying to intone the same voice as Steve Bloom or anything. I just, I love this moment. Spike is always cool. He's always cool, you guys. Whatever happens, happens. And we couldn't get through this series without picking that, right? And I feel like that might be all there is to say about that. Now. Well, one more thing. Oh, did you get Angelus's pick? Some voice. Some moment. Yeah, how's that for uncultured swine? Excellent, excellent pick, Angelus. I feel like Josh may have been offended at the beginning of this. Um, but yes, I mean, again, the voice and just the honey on that voice is, yeah, it's difficult to get over how... And I like how how Spike is going for one angle and Vicious is going for another angle with like their compliments. You know, you can kind of see the difference between the two. Well, and I think it immediately illustrates the difference between Spike going, I'm falling in love, and Vicious going, I must possess right. this person. Um, really quick, uh, Steve says, I love that the Neptune clan was Scottish. It's <laughs> like they left Earth and found the furthest highland they could get. I, I did really like that. Angelus says, Josh has redeemed himself, over-redeemed himself. He has been forgiven. Now, all of that out of the way. My friends, what we do last is we get a rating from everyone, and then we build a letter grade out of that, and then we get on out of here. We skedaddle. So since Chris and Leslie are our guests, I will take a rating from both of you out of 10. Let's start with Leslie. What did you think of this episode? Well, not considering that, you know, I had no idea what was going on at first, <laughs> uh, and I'm based on just this episode, I, I, I give it a solid eight. I like it. I really, really like that. Chris, what do you got? Well, I the whole time I'm sitting there thinking about it, I was like, all right, what am I going to rate this? Are we going to do a sidebar? Or, you know, and then you said we're going to you know, do the rating separately. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. How, you know, I'm thinking the visuals. I'm thinking the music. I'm thinking how it got me going, how, you know, it, the whole episode just engrossed me and everything else visually. And I also have to go with an eight. That's, what, that's exactly what Very i was thinking powers. i was thinking eight i was like yeah and a solid eight works and all of a sudden you're like solid eight and i'm like Man and powers. that's why we're married <laughs> i really like that they both measured the same score ladies and gentlemen and emperors in the chat and podcast land josh my friend what do you give this week's episode it's really it's Mm, it's a tough one because I really, really, really like this episode. Everything about this episode, the music, the uh, the backstory, the violence, the you know, the action scenes, the everything about this episode 
is really good. And I hate to do it two weeks in a row, but I think I got to go with the 10. I think I got to do a 10 out of 10 because it, because me, I'm a, I'm a sucker for story. I'm a sucker for backstory. I'm a sucker for all of that continuity stuff. And they gave that to me this week. So last week they give me my favorite villain in an incredible story. And this week they give me just a fantastic um, prequel basically. Pardon my language. You're a serialization bitch. Uh, go ahead, Ricky. Take it. I'm gonna rating for. The, I don't think you'll disagree with that, Josh. And I and change I my name right now. In the... <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at serialization bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ricky D. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna go nine out of ten. I loved this episode. Um, yeah, I don't know how much else to say. Uh, Julia was amazing. I love the way her character went from almost zero to fully fleshed out in this episode. Uh, a lot of fun. Nine. I really like your your reasoning behind that, and I couldn't help but notice that you had to pile the words Julia and flesh into the same sentence, and I'm okay with it. Um, I also can't really say that I'm surprised. So let's see. We've got an eight, an eight, a 10, and I'm sorry, you said nine. So let's see. You guys, I didn't put, Josh, I know that I didn't put my rating this week on the score sheet. I I was just looking at it, and it's not there. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to give it an eight as well with, with Chris and Leslie. This isn't uh, an episode that I have a bunch that I dislike about it, but it's not perfect for me. Um, there are, I think I agree specifically with Leslie. There are a couple instances where I'm like, it's a little bit slow with the pacing. That doesn't make me angry or anything, but it does kind of put me on like, a, well, I can't call it 10 then because it's not perfect. I do love the episode. I feel very emotional when I watch it. I'm, I'm of the mind that while I love getting these scenes with Spike and Vicious, I didn't need them. I, I, I kind of inferred all of this had happened from the anime, right? And I think that's what they wanted you to do in the anime. And I understand that given the chance to expand on the backstory between these two characters, they felt the need to do it. So I don't hold that against them at all. Um, but I am going to give it an 8, which gives us a 43 out of 50, which rounds out to an 8.6, which, if I'm not mistaken, was also our score on last week's episode. Two 8.6s in a row is not bad. And, I mean, this show... I am having so much fun with this show. I don't know if we've had an episode of this under like a seven on average so far, you guys. I really don't think we have. But, you guys, we did it. We talked about episode nine. Before we wrap everything up and get out of here, and I hear from all of you about where people can get more of you, I'd like to tease that next week for our final episode of the live-action Bebop coverage, our good friend Philip Krogmeyer in the chat will be here with us to close out our coverage of this series. He is, of course, the Cowboy Bebop superfan resident here at the Twist My Arm Network. He's a friend of the network, and we nearly demand that he is available when we do Cowboy Bebop adjacent <laughs> things. Our friend, or Angelus even quest me. <laughs> I just really anything. Philip knows all, and that is why we have him. Our friend Angelus in the chat gives this a 10 out of 10 because of Julia. That's good enough reason for any of us, I think. Nobody will disagree with you on that. So, as I said, be sure to catch us next week. Same time, same place. YouTube.com slash TwistMyArmPodcast, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Chris and Leslie of Measuring the Score. If the good folks out there would like to get more Measuring the Score in their life, and I gotta say, I highly recommend you do that, 
what would be the easiest ways for them to go about it? Well, you can go on Spotify, you can go on Apple, you can go on Good Pods, you can find us on pretty much anywhere you listen to any podcast platform that you can think of. I'm pretty sure we are on it. Just type in measuring the score, you'll find it, and you'll see something a little blind talking about a husband and wife team tackling your favorite film scores. And yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter mainly on Twitter at measure the score or Facebook, just type in measuring score podcast and it'll be me or Leslie on Facebook. Leslie. Yes. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of what he said, I have to throw this up again. Our friend Phil in the chat says, thank you, Chris and Leslie for being here. You were awesome. I, I got to say, Phil, go listen to measure the score. There is definitely the kind of content there that you will enjoy. I promise. Josh. It's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to right now, by the way. Uh, I've, I've listened to most of you guys' catalog at this point. So you I haven't seen Tremors, first? but I did listen to the Tremors episode. I have not yet. I have not. I need to do that one. That one was fun. Um, that one was but fun. most of the ones for sure. I hear Sean really likes that movie. If the, let's, if the folks out there want to get more Josh in their days, what would be... I love you, Sean. I don't know why they feel the need to pick on you. If people want to get more Josh in their days, how would they go about doing that, my friend? Uh, right now, the best way to do it is on Twitter at Twist My Arm Cast. Um, Facebook is, you know, you search Twist My Arm Podcast, you'll find it. Actually, it's Twist My Arm Network now. I'm sorry. You search Twist My Arm Network and you'll find it. Just like our website has changed from twistmyarmpodcast.com, it is now twistmyarm.net um, because it is a network, not just a singular podcast anymore, which is crazy to me. I was actually doing this episode earlier. I was like, holy shit, this has changed so much in the last six years. It's gone from one single little podcast that came out every week or two um, with absolutely zero following and you know, I, I put it up there because I love doing it, not because people listen to it. And now it's to a point where people are actually listening. And it's it's amazing to me how much it's it's grown. And it's I can't thank you guys enough, Jesse and Ricky, for being a part of this journey. Um, speaking of journeys, I'm going to be a little out of commission for a couple weeks. Um, I mean, next week, obviously, I'm going to be here for the season finale. But I am making a move uh, across states. Um so I'm going to be very busy. So if you want to get a hold of me, best way to do it is on Twitter. Um, and I am going to start booking some some cool things here soon as far as like podcasts go um, and guests and things. So be on the lookout for that. Follow me on Twitter for all of those updates at Twist My Armcast. Josh, I got to say, our friend Angela says that getting his shot of the show and his one-liner in the same night and the same rating that you gave the episode, either you're an enlightened host or he is an uncultured swine right alongside you. Hashtag bro code. Talk about. We should start circle. a band. What's up, Denver? We're uncultured swine. I got to say, I, I really appreciate that full circle joke there, Angelus. And we got to say hello to our friend Roy in the chat. The intrepid DM. He made it. Thank you for coming here after your stream, Roy. We really appreciate that. If you have Twitch and you watch anything, go watch the intrepid DM there. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. If the folks want some more of you in their day, what do they do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ricky D. You can find me on the Twist My Arm website. You can also find the uh, Best Flicks, sorry, the Best Flicks podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of those good places. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. 
I am excited to go find you at those places. And I got to point out really quickly, Josh did say he is going to be taking a little bit of an availability break to make the move. Ricky D and I are not taking the same availability break. So get ready to watch some movies that I think you are going to hate, my friend. No, I'm serious. We'll, we'll pick something out that you like this time. I promise. Uh, we are probably going to do another little bonus mini season. It'll be shorter than our last movie season. But then uh, currently the plan is to jump full on into Death Note for season four. So get ready and watch those social medias to see like all the teases and stuff that I'm about to start putting out there. You know what? All of my credits and places to find me are going to be in the read that happens after the theme song kicks in. So I'm not going to put those out right now. What I am going to do, though, is say, let's go ahead and sign off for the evening, my friends. Chris and Leslie from Measuring the Score, thank you for joining us. We are so happy to have you. Ricky, as always, thank you for putting up with me. Josh, thank you for pulling all the levers and making everything go. So for the sign off orders, my friends, let's go. Chris, Leslie, Josh, Ricky D, and myself. So for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. This is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. And I'm Josh. <laughs> and we will see you next time, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. Views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking Na 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 na.